With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hi, this is Molly. And Cody. Please join us as we talk true crime over the fence. Do you know what Oodle Loop is? What the f-, f is that? <laughs> okay. So Did you just say Oodle Loop? Oodle Loop. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, some of you out there may know because one person that actually listens to this podcast, the one that schooled me on it, well, actually didn't school me on it. It just came up in conversation and I had to look it up because I did not know what it was. And then I explained to her that uh, people such as myself... Mm-hmm. civilians i don't think understand or know what this is and if you do then great uh you know more than me um, and me until today okay because i was today years old when i found out what oodle loop was <laughs> it sounds like a kid's cereal no literally it sounds like you get yourself a bowl of oodle loops <laughs> so okay i was talking to my husband mm-hmm. on speakerphone in front of my friends and he had just worked really long hours and he didn't get something that i said and then um his friend who i was with at the time was like oh it's the oodle loop and i was like the what now and then he was like, uh-huh. Oodle Loop. And then my friend chimed in and goes, yeah, Oodle Loop. You don't know what Oodle Loop is? I was like, no, no, I do not. But I'm going to have to look it up. It is the Observe, Orient, Decide, and Act Loop. It is a four-step approach to decision making. What? So it's some like process and loop that your brain goes through. It's called wait. the Ooda Loop. Okay, wait. O-O-D-A Loop. Ooda Loop. Say the stages again. Observe. I'm sorry. I need you to say that slower. Now. Observe. Uh huh. Orient. Orient. Decide. Decide. Act. Act. It started. Um, I think it was uh, some branch of military, like Air Force or something, that it kind of was derived from originally. Really? And I don't want to. F- Am I going to sound stupid if we don't know what this is? And like a lot of people do know what it is. I mean, I don't know what it is, so I don't think we're going to sound that stupid. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if both of us don't know, we're not. We got to be somewhat of the minority. I've never heard that word in my whole entire life. I we cannot well, be like a minority. I was a psychology major, and I've never heard of the OODA loop. No, no. I, I'm I'm sorry, but there's not a lot of people that know of this. So. Well, so now in, in regular conversation, if someone's not getting something, be like, oh, it's a problem with your OODA loop. OODA loop. I yep. still think it sounds like a children's cereal, but that's fine. There you go. <laughs> so we now, you know, with our booming podcast business, <laughs> <laughs> we have followers now and like fans and 
we had I had someone on our Instagram like tag me in like a funny little thing and she tagged me in this like little thing of like this sign that someone had made and I saw it and I was like I am buying that because that needs to go in our pod lab and it's a sign and it says welcome let's talk about serial killers I love it (laughs) what I love more about the sign is that where we currently pod from is your guest bedroom yes so your mom and dad, when they stay over, yes. they lay down to bed, they look to their right, and it says, welcome. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about serial killers. killers. Yeah. I love it. And it's fun because I'll put a post, I'll post on Instagram a photo of it, but it's like just a nice little wooden like chalkboard looking like all fancy kind of thing. And it's like, let's talk about serial killers. And if that does not describe me and Cody and our little side passion, I think... You don't know us. You don't know us. You just so. don't know us. <laughs> so I was super excited. So I like texted Cody. And I was like, oh, okay, you can come over in a little bit. I'm like, by the way, I have a surprise in the pod lab for you. And, and I said, is it wine? She said no. And I was like, hmm. <sighs> I'm like, sorry, not this time. It's been that kind of day. Yeah, I know. But anyway, so I was really excited. So thank you, listener, for tagging us. And I did purchase it. And I now have it in our pod lab. So thank you. But yeah, Cody's telling our story today. I'm excited. And I think we're going to a Lenda. I think I'd like to mention that Australia is actually our second most listened to area. So next to next next to to the the United States. (laughs) I'm going to take us to Australia. And this case is going to frustrate you. And I thought about withholding who the the killer was. The killer was until the end and then kind of piece it all together. But this guy did so much. I just want to go piece by piece what he did because you're going to want to punch him in the face. Yeah, I like ones like that, though. You literally are going to want to punch him right here, right in the throat. Right in the throat. Throat punch. Right. Throat punch him. Um, I am going to talk about the granny killer. We've talked about killer grannies, but this guy is the granny killer. So he's killing grannies. (laughs) Oh, yes, he is. And I found this super interesting, which is why it also caught my attention. Mm -hmm. John Wayne Glover. Okay. We have an American serial killer. That's very John Wayne Gacy. We have a John Wayne Gacy. Weird. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. And I'd like to point out before you start is that people that kill the elderly, what a pathetic loser because like that is the most vulnerable population you could ever go for. Like if you're going to be a killer, like you're that that's stupid. Like you're lame. Oh, just wait. You're going to hate this. I, I mean. We talk about terrible people. Yeah. This guy, he's everybody we talk about is the worst. But this yeah. guy, he makes me angry. Yeah. Like everyone else, they make me like, uh, right. but this guy, I literally want to physically harm him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. OK, I get it. So here we go. OK. John Wayne Glover was born on November 26, 1932 in Wolverhampton, England. He started getting caught up in crime when he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And starting in 1952, he had his official non-juvenile adult convictions that started coming in and that first one was for stealing he joined the british army but was kicked out after they found out about his prior convictions i was gonna say i'm surprised they let him in if he was already he got in and Mm -hmm. then they said nope get out smart move after this happened he migrated to australia and was living in melbourne in 1956 and was convicted of two counts of larceny right off the bat yeah same year in 1958 he was convicted of stealing from a retail store in 1962 he was convicted of two counts of assault on females in Melbourne, uh, two counts of indecent assault, one of assault causing bodily harm, and four more counts of larceny. Jeez. This man has been there for less than six years, and he's already racking up his yeah. rap sheet. For all of this, he was put on probation for five years. No okay. jail time at this point. You already know what's coming in this story, hence the, his right. t- title as the granny killer. Right. 
So when you hear what he did at this time, you're going to be infuriated. In the late 1980s, he volunteered at the Senior Citizen Society. <laughs> yes. Okay. So he was a volunteer with senior citizens. Interesting. Prior to this happening. But he was also married with two children. Oh. He had this time moved to Mossman, which is on the North Shore of Australia. Okay. And he worked for a pie company, um, 4 and 20 Pies. Hmm. And I looked them up and they sell meat pies. Oh, yeah. That's really popular, I think. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, he would go to, he was a, like a sales rep for them. So he'd go and try to slang them meat pies. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't sound the most appetizing, but I'm sure they're delicious. I mean, it looked good. It looked, it looked like, a, um, I mean, it's a meat with like, bread. I mean, right. In a way. And it's just kind of sealed up like a little pita sandwich yeah. sealed. Because, like a hot know. pocket. Yeah. Hot, hot, hot pocket. pocket. <laughs> TM. <laughs> Not our TM. They're Not TMs. ours. <laughs> so here's where he comes a real crap bag. Yeah. On March 1st. 1989, John Wayne Glover had seen uh, 82-year-old Gwendolyn Louise Mitchell Hill when he was leaving a nearby Rotary Club. Okay. He attacked her with a claw hammer. A claw hammer? A claw hammer. That's like vicious. And took her wallet, which had $100 in it. Oh, he claw hammered the poor lady for 100 bucks. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So what had happened was Gwendolyn was found at the front door of her home. Mm-hmm. She was found on her back, bleeding from her head. Okay. A walking stick was close to her body. The neighbors found her. They thought that she had fallen. Right. Because she's in her 80s, so that's absolutely not impossible. She was taken to a nearby hospital and died from her injuries. Okay. From the quote-unquote fall. Yeah. Well, the neighbors, thinking that she had just fallen and there was blood all over the sidewalk, they tried to be neighborly, and they actually cleaned it off. Ugh, they but they rinsed the away all of the evidence. Yeah. Now, what's something that I learned was that also the police were kind of keen on the fact that this was not a fall, mm-hmm. not because of any physical evidence found mm-hmm. at the crime scene, but because when they interviewed people that had, the people that had found her, mm-hmm. she they had indicated that she had been found on her back okay. with her head bleeding. Yeah. Well, when you fall, mm-hmm. if you are conscious, when you fall backwards, you automatically turn your body so that you're kind of trying to brace yourself right, with your it's hands. Right, like a protective thing. So you're not going to have head injuries Right to the back of the right, head. Right, right. And she had head injuries midline in her head. Mm-hmm. And that would indicate that, A, she hit it when she fell down and that she was not conscious when she went down. Mm-hmm. The police were already keen on that, but they had zero evidence because it had been washed away. Even though they got some swabs of diluted blood area, yeah. there was nothing to help them. And they canvassed the area and no witnesses. So at this point, they have nothing to go on. Yeah, okay. So after no movement on Gwendolyn's case... Mm-hmm. Uh, there was actually an elderly man that was attacked and he lived and mm-hmm. he gave a physical description of his assailant. He said that the assailant was a young male, 22 to 25 years old, five foot, 10 inches about. And some locals said that they had seen someone multiple times in the area that fit that description. But again, no further movement after that. It's okay. just this one physical description. And at this point, no composites have been released. Was he attacked the same way as Gwendolyn, do you know? It was it definitely like, wasn't a claw hammer. Yeah, I was going to say, it wasn't a it claw was a hammer It was a physical attack as right. far as like bodily. Because when not, you do a claw hammer, you have no way of protecting. I mean, that's just like, you can't protect yourself no. from that. So it was it definitely, he did you. not get attacked with a claw yeah, hammer. Okay. So on May 9th, 1989, which is a couple months later, Lady Winifreda Ashton. Who wow, was, that's a fancy name. Yes. And she was the wife of, or the widow of an, a famous artist. Oh, okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's what Lady Ashton. Yeah, I love that. Um, she was 84 years old and she was walking back home in the same town of Mossman. She was beaten, 
strangled and robbed of her two purses and wallet, which contained a small amount of cash. And she was left in the bin room in her apartment. Now, what a bin room is, is it's the bin room is in off the foyer area mm-hmm. of the building. And it's where garbage bins okay. are stored. She had two purses with her. She had two purses. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because she's Lady Ashton. I mean, she's I was, allowed I was to say if you're a lady, I guess. Get so. to, yeah. The weird thing about her crime scene was her shoes were off. Hmm. And a walking stick was next to her shoes, and she was strangled with her own pantyhose. Oh. Like they were taken off of her, and then she was strangled? Do you- with them. Yeah. yeah. The murders of Gwendolyn and Lady Winifred were immediately linked due to the similarity and the fact that they occurred only one kilometer apart. Wow. And for those of you who don't know, one kilometer is less than a mile. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And they're both elderly women. Mm-hmm. Same so. age. I mean, two years off from each other and attacked in the same vicious way. Yeah. And had minute amount of money stolen from them. Such a ridiculous thing to like do something like that to someone for a little bit of cash. Like that just doesn't make sense. You feel like there's like something more to it or obviously something not right. You know, that's exactly what I was going to get to. So there was a crime scene this time, fortunately, and they found gray hairs on gloves that were at the scene. Okay. And the investigators theorized that the gray hairs either came from the attacker's head, as she, maybe she grabbed oh, a hold of his hair, or yeah. as defensive wounds on her if she had it over her own oh. hair, because she had gray hair as well. Okay. The gray hairs were examined, but were indistinctive. And what I found out was that gray hairs are finer, so they're harder to match. And at this time, DNA wasn't readily available, so... They just had to do a hair analysis to try to compare, but mm-hmm. because it's so fine and they start to lose a lot of their unique qualities, they're almost indistinguishable from each well, other. great. Now I don't want to go gray. Do the amount of money stolen, the very small amount. Uh-huh. This may have just been an opportunistic like, hey, I killed you. Let's see what's in your purse. Oh, I see. Yeah. These crimes are not being viewed as robberies taken too far. Okay. The investigators came up with a profiler for the killer based off of these two murders. They figured he was a young, local sexual sadist or one with abnormal sexual fantasies i think the strangulation had a lot to do with they related that to it to being a sexual fantasy they were looking at local students which i found super interesting that's interesting because they needed to be available at around four o'clock in the afternoon because both of these attacks happened at about the same time at four oh. o'clock in the afternoon they looked into students at local high schools real high school high schools this was a substantial task because the local high schools had over a thousand students each. oh that's a lot of kids yeah so they still have that physical description from the elderly man that had been attacked. Mm-hmm. And they're hoping now to apply it going forward because people said, oh, we did see a young man in the area right. when okay. Lady Winifred Ashton was murdered. Yeah. So on May 11th, which is two days after the murder, a composite sketch was released following what the elderly man had said, which mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I don't have his name, after Lady Ashton was murdered. So they released this and not a whole lot happened after that. People were like, yeah, we saw someone around that time, but nothing came for no one came forward saying, yeah, that's the guy. And they didn't find anything at the high schools. Several months pass. And on October 18th, 1989, there's another attack as vicious as the other ones. Really? Doris Cox lived in Garrison Retirement Center. And on a Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m., she was walking on the grounds of the retirement center in a small walkway when she was attacked. So John Wayne Glover indicated that he had seen her walking down the road. He escorted her onto the retirement grounds. Oh, so he's like, oh, can I help you get home? Yep. One and, and then he pushed her face into a brick wall. Oh. Severe injuries were found to her head and her face. She's found unconscious on this walkway. Mm-hmm. She's found by some of the residents. Okay. And again, they thought she had fallen. Oh, like just tripped and fell. So the- again, they clean up 
no. the crime scene. Ah. Yes, they spray it down again. And actually, it wasn't the residents that time. It was the staff at the mm-hmm. retirement center because the residents had reported it as a fall. And she survived? So she was taken to the hospital and was in stable condition. The lead investigator went to interview her, and she had no recollection of the attack as she suffered from severe dementia. Of course. I mean... Oh, she had dementia. She I had thought dementia. you were going to say because she hit her head no, on the thing. No, she had severe dementia. <sighs> in addition, John Wayne Glover being the piece of work he is, he looked for money in her wallet, but she didn't have any, so he couldn't take any. Oh, my gosh. A canvas was done of the area, and a couple of witnesses saw a person in the vicinity at the time, a young man on a skateboard down that same footpath. Mm-hmm. Due to the injuries being caused by an object, like a blunt force by an object, they then started to think maybe the injuries were caused by a skateboard. Because they oh. haven't been able to figure out where the like what's yeah, causing what's the injuries, causing and the weapon isn't at the scene anymore, so it's obviously something that someone can take with them. Yeah, that's all they got from the Doris Cox attack. So we think that there's a long gap between May 9th, nineteen eighty nine, when Lady Ashton has been murdered, right. and the attack on Doris Cox. But John Wayne Glover was actually pretty busy during this time. Really. On June 6, 1989, John Wayne Glover molested a 77-year-old woman at her retirement home in Belrose. The victim reported to hospital staff and police mm-hmm. of the assault, but she couldn't remember what the man looked like. So he came into the retirement home and assaulted her? Yes, and you'll hear how he gains access okay. to all this. I was going to say, how? On June 24th, which is three weeks after that, the assault that we just discussed, mm-hmm. John Wayne Glover visited another nursing home, but this time in Lane Cove, which is again on the North Shore. Okay. These are all Sydney suburbs. And he went in and lifted the dress of a patient and fondled her butt. In a neighboring room, he went to the next door neighbor. <sighs> He's like, her. well, I followed your butt. Now I'm going next door. Yep. And did the same thing except to her breasts. And one of the women cried out for help. And John Wayne Glover was briefly questioned. And then the staff let him leave. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, but shouldn't have more been done for that? Like, you just briefly questioned a guy that came and followed the butt in the boobs of two... Well, maybe two they or- couldn't prove... I don't know. I have no idea wh- how he got away with that or what the circumstances were behind that or if he explained it away somehow. In my past life before children and marriage, I worked at a home like that. And if anyone came in that, first of all, wasn't like a known person of like one of the residents that were there and or second of all, had any physical contact with any of our residents, especially if they weren't related to them, the police would have been called right away. I I 100% agree. So that's very interesting to me because I'm like, how were no... No one did anything. The only thing I can think of is that he took advantage of patients that were extremely vulnerable and maybe did have the memory care issues. And he just was like, I didn't do that. Hmm. I was just giving her a hug or I don't know. I'm again, I am just speculating. I don't know. Yeah. But still there's, there's the fact that he just could even gain access there without really knowing or being related to anyone that lives there is a a little bit baffling as well you'll see why he has access to all of these areas Mm -hmm. on august 8th 1989 john wayne glover indicated he had assaulted another elderly woman but this time it was in a back street in the Mm -hmm. city of linfield on sydney's upper north shore okay so all in the same kind of suburban like suburban areas yeah on october 6th so now we're leading up to doris cox yeah on october 6th 1989 glover pretended to be a doctor at another nursing home and he assaulted a blind woman oh Mm-hmm. She wow. called. For, she called for help, and because of her not being able to see anything at the time or see her assailant, he was never suspected or identified as being responsible for that molestation. How scary either. for that poor blind elderly woman! Like that is must have been terrifying. He is just wreaking havoc. Jeez, nursing homes, lock your doors. Lock your doors. 
And then after that, the assault on Doris Cox. On November 2nd, 1989, so again, this is now a couple weeks after Doris's attack, Margaret Frances Pahud, I'm sorry if I'm mispronouncing that last name, P-A-H-U-D, she was 85 years old. Glover saw her in Lane Cove again. He took out a hammer, followed her until she was in a private walkway where he hit her on the head with a hammer. He took her handbag, emptied it, put it down a storm drain. He took only $300 from her. Less than 24 hours later... On November 3rd, 1989, Olive Cleveland, who was 81 years old, she was walking home in the town of Lane Cove. She was coming home from the Lane Cove shops to her home at the Wesley Gardens Retirement Village in Belrose. Mm -hmm. Well, so he went to this location for work as the pie man Mm -hmm. for the meat pies. But after an unsuccessful visit with one of the managers there, he actually saw Olive sitting down in like this garden area. So he sat down and he started talking to her and she started feeling uncomfortable so she got up to walk away and he followed her as she walked towards her building's foyer and then he grabbed her head pushed her onto the ground where he hit her into the concrete several (sighs) times he then removed her pantyhose and strangled her with them and he left her to die in this alley kind of behind Mm -hmm. her block of units this guy has to have some sort of mental i mean obviously he's mentally unstable but some sort of like fixation with the senior citizens i mean that's just this is just weird totally yeah um she was wearing a wedding ring at the time and that was left behind uh but he stole uh 60 dollars from her 60 i feel like it's just insulting at that point yeah it is i mean it really is but like you said i think he is more fixated on like the killing of these senior citizens than he is at the money and that money is just an afterthought right like they were saying i really think that's accurate I, but i just with that it's like not that he would have immediate remorse but there's zero remorse because you're just kicking someone oh, while they're down yeah you know what i mean it's right. just like he's like well okay just to make matters worse i'm gonna take your money too yeah. like i mean i could use i could use 60 bucks so now we're at three murders mm-hmm. one attempted murder and all those molestations okay but as far as the police in the area they know about the three murders and the one attempted murder and they are very much like we have a serial killer mm-hmm. on the loose and he will attack again if we don't catch him. Right. We need to figure this out. Mm-hmm. The murder, this murder that took place was outside of the typical geographical area where the other three had gone. Mm-hmm. But these are all over the age of 80, all around 4 p.m. in the afternoon. Yeah. This they're time, all connected, obviously. They have a task force come together. 70 investigators all wow. came together on this. Okay. They started conducting safety seminars um, for elderly and yeah. providing extra security at nursing homes because mm-hmm. they knew they had a serial killer on their hands and it was only a matter of time before he struck again. Okay. And you go from, you know, again, they don't know about the molestation. So you go from the first two murders that were two months apart, mm-hmm. then the there's like a five month gap or something like that yeah and then after that there's a two-week gap again or a three-week gap Mm -hmm. and then after that there's a less than 24 hours so yeah he's coming unglued yeah that's the only thing i can think of at this point which is why they're coming closer together there's no more cooling off period for him which is very typical well he's getting away with it all so much he's probably like i can just do it more and more i'm getting away with it right that's what i think absolutely and he's in this one specific area so they're like this is a comfort zone for our killer our killer lives in this area or works in this area Mm -hmm. so after miss olive cleveland less than two weeks later Another murder. This time it occurred on November 23rd, 1989. Muriel Faulkner had recently suffered from a stroke. She was 92 years old. John Wayne Glover saw her walking down the road. He followed her. This is so creepy. He followed her to her doorway of her home. 
He waited until she opened the door and he went in right after her. <gasps> she was partially deaf and blind. Oh. That's why she didn't hear him following She didn't in. know. She yeah. did not know she was followed in. He hit her on the head with a hammer and then strangled her. And she was found bleeding in her, the hallway of her home by a neighbor the next day. They mm-hmm. came by to check on her and found her. The last time she had been seen was around 4.30 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Same time. Mm-hmm. And the next day they found her about 24 hours later. Okay. They found her with severe head injuries. And this time it was a little different because the body was displayed after death. Really? Mm-hmm. Huh. There was $100 taken from her bedroom. And at this point, the nature of the crimes are becoming more intense because they're now he's now in someone's home. Yeah. He didn't just follow them and right. attack. He's now in their home. So and then he displays the body. He now has time with the victim. Do you know how he displayed it by any chance? I'm just wondering. She wasn't displayed perversely. Okay. So the benefit they had from Muriel's murder scene was that this was now a preserved crime scene. Finally. It had nothing outside. Yeah. It was indoors. Right. It was untouched. Good. And they found bloody shoe prints. They were very light, but they were able to enhance the shoe prints. This is on an episode of Forensic Investigators, which is... Love uh, Forensic uh, Investigators. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is an Australian show, actually, in, which mm-hmm. is similar to our Forensic Files. The shoe print indicated a more adult shoe. Like a business shoe, not like something that a younger person like would wear. Like a teenager, wear. yeah. So the first time they're like, well, maybe our physical description that we have mm-hmm. is not correct. Right. Maybe that assault on the elderly man is not correlated to these, and we've been applying it, and it's not applicable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, the young people were seen in the area because it is around the same time that they get out of school, yeah. four o'clock, so right. they're around. Right. So they're like, huh, yeah. we're in the wrong age group. They canvassed the area, and someone had seen a gray-haired man that looked like a doctor that seemed to be about in his 60s. And he had was walking away from the area yeah. at that time. And he was described as, which is I love, a portly man. <laughs> he was chubby. He was fat. <laughs> portly you say is, chubby, I just say fat. <laughs> yeah. Portly. <laughs> I You're love not. That I, word. I feel like portly sounds like, like a pot belly pig. Like, yeah. oh, so cute and portly. No, he wasn't. No. Por- he was, yeah, he was chub chub. Which is nothing wrong with being chub chub, but there is something wrong with it when you're attacking elderly women. Serial killer. It's just icy. It's just the cherry on top. Yeah. But remember back to Lady Ashton's case. Oh, the gray hairs on the glove. There were the gray Mm -hmm. hairs on the glove. And then they also flash back to the Doris Cox scene. Yeah. Now that they have the right kind of age and description, they had actually had a witness say that they saw a gray haired man assist a neighbor to another unit around the crime scene at the same time. Uh, Oh, wow. But they hadn't put that together because they're looking for a young guy on a skateboard, remember? Yeah, they're looking for this young teenager Mm -hmm. that's killing all these elderly people. (laughs) Yes. There was an assault on an elderly woman about a month before the first murder. Her name was Margaret Todd Hunter. And when she was shopping, she came home and she was hit over her head and her handbag was taken. And the victim at that time had gotten a good description of the perpetrator. And that wasn't linked to the murders oh really no i'm surprised yeah for some reason it it was not or maybe she came forward after the fact i don't recall uh-huh. the circumstances but that painted a much different mm-hmm. a much more accurate picture of who we were working right with. hello it is ryan and i was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com i looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing 
they're also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino's home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It depicted an older, gray-haired, chubbier man. Mm-hmm. With this murder of Muriel in November... And it isn't until January 11th of 1990, so early the next year, Mm -hmm. that we see Glover strike again. He was visiting the Greenwich Hospital for his work as the pie company rep. Ah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Glover approached an 82-year-old advanced cancer patient. What a piece of work. Yes. Named Daisy Roberts. And he asked her if she was losing body heat. He then (laughs) pulled up her nightgown and touched her inappropriately and she panicked called for help and the hospital aide comes in and finds glover outside in the in the hospital ward not necessarily Mm -hmm. in the room but in the ward and she confronts him which like you said you would have done Mm -hmm. and glover runs from the scene at this point (sighs) but she was able to run after him and record his car's registration number and she called police good for her the police show up and they got a description of the man from the the woman working in the hospital, Mm -hmm. along from Daisy Roberts. After they gave the description, they were like, you know who it was or who it looked like was the pie man. That's what they called him at the hospital, Mm -hmm. the pie man. And he had made a delivery around the same time that the woman was assaulted. So is that how he's been getting into these retirement committees? Exactly. He's delivering his goods Mm -hmm. or trying to sell his goods. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The hospital gave the police the name of the pie company. And they called the pie company, and the pie company gave them the name of the person delivering pies to the hospital at that time, which mm-hmm. was John Wayne Glover. A mm-hmm. week later, the police returned with a picture of Glover yeah, and showed it to Daisy Roberts, and she positively ID'd She's him. She's like, that's him. That's him. The investigator called him and got him on the phone and arranged a meeting with him the next day that he didn't show up for. Shocking. Yeah. Because he's caught at this point. I'm surprised they're just arranging a meeting when she like positively identifies the guy that like fondled her inappropriately. Right. And I'm like, we're just going to set up a meeting with you. Yeah. I don't know if they were just trying to have him come in under his own terms or what they were working on in the background. Mm -hmm. But the investigator called the home of John Wayne Glover and asked him, where are you at? Mm -hmm. And his wife answered and stated that he was in the hospital as he had just tried to commit suicide. (gasps) And I'm totally not even thinking that he's married with kids this whole time. Married with kids. Oh, my gosh. He had left a suicide note, too. Oh. And on the suicide note, it says a few different things. and It's a very weird note, but it says no more grannies. So while he's in the hospital, they sneak a Polaroid of him. Yeah. And they go, hey, let's compare it to the composite sketch for these murders because a gray-haired man has access to nursing homes. They're starting to fit it together. Okay, let me see this. Take a look at that. The top is the composite and the bottom is... Oh, it's... It's him. It's dead on. It's dead on for the guy. That's but, crazy. Yeah, it's we'll so post them weird. on our Instagram, but you've got to see this. Like yeah. the nose and the roundness, oh. the, the portliness of the man yeah, is exuded. Yeah. Wow. It's always impressive to me how close like some composite sketches like really are in cases. You know I always I mean? find that fascinating. I, I wonder if I like describe somebody if I could get somebody that close. I know. That's what I'm wondering too because I'm like, I guess these people that do the sketches are obviously professionals, but like I mean, if I saw so, I mean, if I had to describe you, I feel like I wouldn't do that good of a job. Like, even though I know what you look like, you know like, what I mean? Well, she had, you know, the she ha- has like she has hair, thinner eyebrows and 
you know, her face. Why is you gotta brown. talk? That was the first thing you said. <laughs> She's over here looking at my eyebrows. I don't have a lot of eyebrows. You okay? have eyebrows. I save money on I waxing. Say you, I and say you have tweezing. thinner eyebrows. I didn't say you had no eyebrows. That was the first thing you said. You looked at me you're like she has. I was just looking you know, at your top and going down. I wasn't gonna. <laughs> she has thinnish eyebrows. They're very on. blonde and thin. <laughs> Almost transparent, I would say. <laughs> you barely could see that they're there. Yeah. You're going to have me looking like a cone head. They're like, she kind of has a large forehead, no eyebrows. They're like, so she looks like a <laughs> cone head? <laughs> okay. Um, and when they applied the forensic profile, other than the young part, mm-hmm. it matched perfectly. As far as they said that it would have committed crimes when they were younger, would yeah. be a local guy. He was a company rep with a company car. He worked in the morning and then he was done by three o'clock. Yep. His job took him to Belrose, Lane Cove, and back to where he lived in Mossman. In the, all the areas. All the areas he was. But again, at this point, everything's circumstantial. They had no physical evidence to tie him to anything. They don't let him go, though. He survives the suicide attempt, and they continue on surveillance. During surveillance, Glover would park his car and go out for a walk in various areas, but then he would return to his car. He was walking around hoping to bump into some senior citizen. Right. I mean, that's what... So they're sitting there watching him hunt his uh, victims. Yeah. The investigators then went to various nursing homes where they knew that he was a rep and asked if there had been any unreported assaults at the facility. So they're trying to tie this all together to him. Five weeks into surveillance, um, the receptionist at one retirement home was very knowledgeable when Mm -hmm. the investigator contacted her. They said, oh, would that be the pie company 4 and 20 pies? would you be looking for John Glover by any chance? And the investigator's like, why, yes. She goes, well, that's my husband. <gasps> oh, oops. But I'm not going to tell him since it upset him so much last time. Yeah, he com- tried to commit suicide. So uh, that is actually was very dangerous for the investigation because he knows that he's being questioned and followed in regards yeah, to all of this. Yeah, that's true. Point. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're like, we could have just blown the whole investigation by talking to her. But she's like, I'm not going to tell him because he was so upset he tried to commit suicide. Yeah, right. Whether or not that was fact. But still, she offered up that information mm-hmm. and he continued to be under surveillance. But mm-hmm. and, and luckily, the investigation did not get blown at that time. Yeah, that's interesting, actually. On March 19th, 1990, while still under surveillance, uh, John Glover leaves at a normal time and he calls into work. He stated he wasn't going to go into work that day and he was actually going to see his solicitor, which is legal representation helping okay. him in his legal, legal matters because right. the pie company definitely knows something's going on right now. Well, a lot of people know there's something going on Absolutely. right now. He goes to a liquor store mm-hmm. instead of going to see his solicitor. Oh. <laughs> goes to a liquor store, buys a bottle of whiskey, and then he goes to an address in Mossman. He knocks on the door. He's holding a briefcase and he's let inside the home at this address. So it's obviously someone that he's acquainted with or feel yeah. com- feels comfortable letting him in. He was there to help Joan Violet Sinclair with a leak in her ceiling. And oh. now this was a platonic acquaintance Friendship of his. Type thing. Yeah. And then he okay. was just there to help her. While she went to go show him the crack in the ceiling, he struck her numerous times what? in the head. Mm-hmm. Is she an elderly woman or just like she's sick she's 60. Okay. So, okay. Around like... his age-ish. Yeah, so it's not like his forte though. Yeah. So, mind you, the police have watched him go into this home. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you what's happening on the inside. The police do not know what's happening on the outside. All they see is that he's gone into this home. And this is all happening while the police are right outside. Yes. And he has no idea they had followed him? No. <gasps> or if they did, maybe he did, but he goes in. He just doesn't care at this and point. And the police do not know what's going on. So he goes in. As I've explained, police are watching. This is what's going on inside. 
And after a couple hours had passed and he still hadn't come out, the police are like, we got to go see what's going on. So they call the higher up. The police go. They knock on the door. Nobody answers. So they call their supervisor and say, we got to make entry because he went in here hours ago. No one's come out. And we're literally watching him for being a serial killer. We need to go see if everyone's okay. And no one's answering the door. When they entered the home, they found the body of Joan St. Clair. And right next to her was a bloodstained hammer on the floor. Oh, my gosh. This poor woman. Like, the police are right outside and she gets killed. Mm-hmm. Ugh. So at this point, they find Joan deceased. Mm. And they don't see Glover anywhere. They go and search the house. And in the bedroom, on the bed, they find a pair of men's trousers. So they're like, hmm. What is he sh- taking a shower? Like they find Glover in the bath mm-hmm. with his mouth just above water. Next to him is an empty bottle of alcohol and various pill bottles with prescription medications on the counter. Mm. He was revived by ah, the paramedic. Good. You gonna live today. Yep. Sorry. 58-year-old John Glover was arrested for the six murders, all of these elderly women, including the murder of Joan Sinclair. For which he really cannot talk his way out of because he's literally, he's literally in her home <laughs> trying to commit suicide in her house. And the cops were outside, saw him walk in. I just, I'm, there's no that way that just of, irks me, her murder, because they were right there. And they did catch a lot of grief for that. That They said that yeah. basically they, it was like um, bait, almost like bait. Right. They, they didn't bait him because they didn't know he was going to go into her house and do that. But they watched it happen. Right. Pretty much. Like it feels, feels like they should have intervened. intervened sooner. Yeah. 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 They, with, an, with a woman. You know, exactly. in the premises and um, alone, and most likely they knew she probably was alone. They could have done really quick address check to see who lo- who yeah. lived at the residence. There should have just been more. It sounds like, it, and they caught a lot of flack. Yeah, they thought that that was an unnecessary death that they just let yeah. happen in front of them. Right after a search of his car and his home, they found shoes with soles that also matched the footprint at Muriel's house. Okay. He confessed that he committed most of the murders with a hammer that he carried around in his pants, like underneath his belt, underneath oh, or underneath okay. his shirt and under his belt line. And after the murders, he would use hydrochloric acid to clean the hammer. He said that the profile was wrong. There was no sexual drive behind the murders. And the strangulations were done as a means to an end. Like okay. he would just to complete the murder. Yeah, to get it, to finish mm-hmm. it off instead of having them, I guess, suffer in a way. Exactly. So during his defense, he tries to plead not guilty by reason of diminished responsibility, a.k.a. insanity. Oh, well, no. There was John Glover, the good guy, versus John Glover, the bad guy. Hmm. And the jury responded and rejected the insanity plea. I would think so. And returned a guilty verdict on all murder charges. And they deliberated for less than three hours. And the only reason they deliberated for that long, they would have brought it back sooner, was because during that time, the judge was actually working another case in the courthouse and couldn't get back to them earlier. Oh, I believe that they were dismissed to deliberate Mm -hmm. at around 1 p.m. And by 3.50, they already had their guilty... Well, were able to announce it. Yeah. So they had it earlier than that. Yeah. Um, He was given the maximum sentence for each murder, which was life. And his file was marked as never to be released. Good. So he reserved the sixth life term, one for each of the lives he stole. But mm-hmm. so he didn't plead guilty to those, but he, right. he was found guilty. But he did plead guilty to three non-fatal crimes. That one against Margaret Todd Hunter, where he attacked her and just took her money. Okay. So he explained, this is, he's, he's such garbage. He saw her as he was driving by in his car and he punched her in the head and stole her handbag, which included $209. Can you imagine seeing a sweet old woman going down the street and you punch her in her yeah. head? 
for $209. This man needs to be punched in the head repeatedly. Yes. And then again in 1989, one that wasn't reported, he was outside of another retirement village in um, Linfield and he was working there at the time and he punched her and knocked her to the ground and stole her handbag. So he's 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 admitting to the he ones where he pled guilty to all the ones where people did not die. Die, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. 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 On September 9th, 2005, after he's been sentenced and he's sitting his happy ass in jail. Right. He dies in prison. Really? He hung himself. Oh. In the bathroom. Ugh. Lame. But before he died, he gave his last outside visitor, and I'm not sure who it is, if it's a family member or a friend. Uh-huh. I don't think it was a family member based on the fact that no family members attended his funeral. I'm not surprised. So it, some kind of some visitor, a friend, and Glover pointed out two palm trees. In the middle of the right palm tree, the number nine can be seen. Mm. And they don't know if this is... It's theorized that it's either to represent the total number of murders right. or the number of unsolved murders committed oh, by him. Okay. In his suicide letter, he also references, you will notice that all of the women bear a strong resemblance to my mother-in-law. Ew. Ew. Mm-hmm. So when he had first migrated to Australia, after he had gotten married, he moved in with his in-laws. And I'm not sure what kind of turmoil he had. I know mm-hmm. he had turmoil with his mother. They don't talk about abuse, but I guess his mother wasn't with his father and had various boyfriends. Mm-hmm. And so he had some kind of turmoil with her. She passed away. His mother-in-law passed away. And he said he basically needed more people to take it out on. <laughs> His oh anger and rage. He just preyed on the absolutely most vulnerable, which after you see him, he couldn't have taken on anyone much stronger than no, them well, anyways. No, well, that's why they pray on And those. actually, they found out that one of them, a Lady Winifred, actually put up quite a bit of a fight. Oh, good for her. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's why they think that maybe it escalated the strangulation because that he had went ha- hands-on with her. Right, right. Get it, the Lady one little, Ashton. Yeah, I know. So other similar crimes in Australia that may be linked to him, uh-huh. um, there are actually seven that... Um, are listed that I can share on the Instagram as well. Okay. They're unsolved at this point and they have been linked to him. Okay. Um, and one of the psychiatrists that evaluated him stated, it is difficult to accept he did not carry out other offenses between 1962 and 1965. And then again, from 1965 to 1989. They yeah. just don't believe it. They said that's too much of a gap considering yeah. how back to back to back to back everything other was. There's no way. Mm-hmm. And these ones that are unsolved are kind of, some of them are in those blanks of time. Really? Yeah. So, it, you know. Who knows, really? But the psychiatrist concluded that no treatment methods would be available or work for him. Yeah, probably not. So that is the piece of work, John Wayne Glover. Wow. That is our first Australia case. Yay. Australia, I know it was a little convoluted with going back and forth. There's a lot of people yeah. involved, mm-hmm. but we will post pictures of the victims. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to post that side-by-side composite. So check out our Instagram to yeah. see that at over the fence underscore podcast. Mm-hmm. And if you guys would love to, or we would love you to, is to go to any of the podcasting platforms you might listen to us and leave us some reviews or leave us a five-star rating. And yeah, that'd be much appreciated. And we'll see you next week to talk more true crime over the fence.